episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. Well, new year, new podcast. This is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and turning the calendar to 2020 is as good of a reason as any to start up the podcast finally. I say first official episode because I did post a quick one last summer as an introduction where I basically just talk about myself for like 15 minutes. Uh, So you can go back and listen to that if you really want to. But in case you don't, I'll just give a really quick recap. My name is Brian Dickman, and this is the ninth season of the Fear the Phoenix blog, going back to the 2011-2012 season. I will say that I haven't been able to follow the program as closely as I'd like or attend as many games as I wish I could have the past year or two. Unfortunately, life gets in the way sometimes. Um, I have a six-month-old baby at home and recently got a promotion at work, so I've been kind of busy. But I'm really hoping to do better going forward, and launching this podcast is the first step towards that. Following Green Bay basketball is something I really love doing. Uh, I enjoy sharing that passion with fellow GB basketball fans. And, you know, writing these blog posts and interacting with other fans on social media is something I like putting time and effort into. So in 2020, I want to devote more energy to this fun little hobby. So why start a podcast? Well, for me, I listen to podcasts almost every day, usually on the commute to and from work or if I'm going for a run. And it's a convenient and really effortless way to pass the time and have a few laughs or gain some insight on politics or news or sports or anything in between, really. Uh, There's basically a podcast for everything at this point. I love what podcasts are, excuse me, and the value that they bring. Uh, But really, my main reason is I know that I personally would love to listen to a Green Bay Hoops-themed podcast. And since one doesn't exist, as far as I know, uh, I thought I'd give it a go just creating one myself. So I'm really hoping this podcast can have some value for you as a Phoenix basketball fan, be insightful, maybe even entertaining, who knows. I know I'm hoping uh, to help increase the coverage and the exposure of the program because we really do have a solid Division I college basketball program at UW-Green Bay. So speaking of college basketball, it's hard to believe we're officially halfway through the season already. Uh, Horizon League play has started, and Green Bay's off to a 2-2 two and two start after splitting the first four games of the conference season. Phoenix are coming off a truly terrible home loss against last place IUPUI on Sunday, a 93-78 defeat that really never was that close. Uh, so it's a perfect time to release the first episode. Um, but honestly, before Sunday, I was feeling pretty good about this team. They had a close loss on the road at league favorite Wright State. But then after that, they had a couple of dominant wins, one against Northern Kentucky on the road, another against UIC at the Rush Center on Friday night. Uh, so the Phoenix sit at 2-2 two and two in Horizon League play and 7-10 and ten overall. However, only five of those seven wins have come against Division One competition. <clears throat> That's a disclaimer I feel like I need to throw out there because I truly hate non-D1 games with a passion. Uh, but to be fair, Green Bay has played one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country, so it's it's really hard to get a true read on exactly what this team is right now. Anyway, I know I personally don't really like to listen to a podcast where it's just one person going on and on. So when I was thinking about what I want this podcast to be, I had to think about if there should be a co-host or if I should try and get as many informative guests on as I possibly can. 
right now I'm leaning towards the latter of those two options, and you know I'm really open to anything. This is my first ever attempt at doing a podcast, so I'm gonna make adjustments based on my own evaluations and with your feedback. So I'll see how it goes and what changes can be made to make it better as we go forward. With that said, for this episode, I'm really excited to have on a guy that's been there for all 17 of Green Bay's games so far. He's witnessed it all from a courtside seat calling games. I was eager to pick his brain on what he's seen from this team so far this season and try and get some answers on what's been an up and down season for the Phoenix so far. So I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, my first ever podcast guest is a voice that needs no introduction to Green Bay fans. He's now in his fourth season of calling Green Bay Phoenix men's basketball games on the Learfield IMG College Phoenix Sports Network, which can be heard on 107.5 FM and 1400 AM The Fan in the Green Bay area, or worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. Whether he's calling home games with Bill Rabior or riding solo on the road, he does a great job, and I'm thrilled to be able to talk to him. It's Brian Kuklinski. Brian, thanks for coming on and being the first ever podcast guest. Man, it's an honor to be the first one. How are you? I'm doing good. Not too bad. It's hard to believe this is your fourth season calling GB men's games already. Is that accurate? Uh, it is, and it's actually gone, you know, really fast. Uh, you know, you look back, and, and when I was looking at some stuff getting ready for this, I went, I can't believe it's year four already. Yeah, I had to uh, double-check to like, make sure. <laughs> yeah, I, which, you know, I'm happy that I, I got in when I did because I was able to – uh, called the last Horizon League tournament that was played at Joe Lewis Arena, um, which yeah. I got to tell you, anybody that's ever been in the Joe, that is an absolutely legendary building. So I was glad I got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, you took over uh, after the NCAA tournament appearance, and Green Bay hasn't been back since. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to explain that one? Uh, trust me, Coach Darner, who anybody that's got a chance to get to know Coach, spend any time with him, listen to any any of his interviews, he can be a superstitious guy, and uh, he reminds me of that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does. Uh, so, so like I said, I think you do a great job calling the games. I love your you know your pregame interviews with Coach with uh, with Coach Darner, your your postgame interviews with you know any of the assistants are always really good. Um, but I'm just kind of curious how it all came about. Uh, what made you want to get into play-by-play? Did you have any prior experience before calling basketball or, or any kind of play-by-play? Or, or how did that all come about? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of people that are fortunate enough to do what I get to do, um, you know, it, it's a lot of being in the right place at the right time. And actually getting the job at Green Bay was a total fluke. Um, my background uh, is all in radio. Um, yeah. I- Sorry. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, moved into various different roles within the radio industry. Um, and just as a side gig, I did a lot of public address announcing, baseball, basketball, things like that, um, and got into doing it for the university. Um, they needed somebody to announce volleyball. Um, and I, I took that job doing PA announcing for volleyball at Green Bay, um, about the same time the volleyball team started getting really good. So I'll take credit for the fact that they've been to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there you go. That? that works. Um, and then just by coincidence, Matt Menzel, uh, my predecessor, got offered the job in Milwaukee, and it was really tight to the season. Um, and they knew I had a radio background. Um, and at the time, when Mary Ellen Gillespie was still the athletic director um, and Joey Daniels was coming on as uh, the assistant athletic director, uh, they had said to me, have you ever done play-by-play? And to be honest with you, I hadn't called play-by-play on a basketball game in probably about 15 years. Wow. Um, and I said, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. And it was a one-year basis, and they've invited me back since then. So it was really kind of just being in the right place at the right time when they had called a couple years earlier to say, hey, do you want to do public address announcing for volleyball? Um, so that that's kind of a, a, the short story about, I'm fortunate enough to get to do this. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It it is all about uh, right place, right time, who you know, and uh, I'm I'm surprised to hear that you went that long without calling basketball play by play because you're really good <laughs> at it. So I, I yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the fact that uh, 
you know, for me, unlike some other play-by-play guys in Wisconsin, you know, you grow up in the industry, and I always knew I wanted to do radio. Uh, the state of Wisconsin is so blessed with guys that you can listen to that are are, are the best of the best. I mean, from Wayne Larrabee calling the Packer games to Matt LePay doing the Badger games, uh, you know, Ted Davis doing the Bucks games, and of course you got a, you know Bob Euchre and all the people he's had doing Brewer games. I mean, I'd put the state of Wisconsin and their uh, announced teams up against anybody. And, you know, so to be able to, you know, listen, grow up, listen to those guys. And then I have a full-time job outside of doing the play-by-play. Um, so I'm very lucky to work for an employer that, you know, gives me the time to be able to travel with the team and put the time into it that I, you know, need to, to do the job the right way. Yeah, that's awesome. So in your three and a half, we're halfway through the season already, which is crazy, but, uh, in your three yep. and a half seasons, uh, off the top of your head, do you have a favorite game that you've gotten to call so far? You know, there's a couple um, that kind of stick out in my mind. Uh, early in his career, Cam Hankerson going off for over 30 at the Horizon League tournament. Um, that was fun just to see a player that was so in the zone that night um, that he knew the minute he touched the ball, he was going to score. Um, you know, a couple of Sandy Cohen buzzer beaters, um, you know, uh, Cleveland State sticks out. And then last year in the run through the CIT uh, in the game against Texas Southern, um, you know, those were fun. Um, you know, as far as game action goes, if you, if you talk about just games that you have a lot of fun just going to. And I know, you know, it was down this year with the first, you know, playing the five majors and, and losing those games. But I tell you, going to the pit in Albuquerque, New Mexico is a place that anybody who likes college basketball needs to go see a game. Yeah. I, you know, it, to me, the equivalent of the pit in New Mexico is like telling a football fan they need to go watch a game at Lambeau. Right. Uh, there's so much history in that building. It was just unbelievable to walk in and see it. And then, you know, pregame, to be able to walk around on the floor and go, is this the same spot that Jimmy V was running around looking for somebody to hug after he won the national championship? <laughs> right. And, you know, the, the great teams that have played through there. So those are a couple that stick out. Yeah, I was going to say, last season alone, you had the Youngstown State comeback at home. You had the Sandy Cohen buzzer beater. You had the crazy comeback at UIC on the road. Uh, yeah, that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the CIT, that Texas Southern game at the Crest Center. I think that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been at for a for a GB game. That was amazing. Um, was that Sandy Cohen buzzer beater the first buzzer beater you've gotten to call? Uh, it was. I mean, just pure where, you know, if you remember the Cleveland State game, Cleveland State came down and scored with about five seconds to go yep. and, and took the lead. And it took a lot of the energy out of the building. And I, I remember sitting next to Bill Rabier going, man. And then Coach Darner calls a timeout. They've got to go the length of the floor. And when Sandy got the ball in his hand, sitting on the right-hand side of the floor on the wing, if you remember the shot, it wasn't a great shot. No. Um, it, and him falling away and just kind of heaving the ball up at the basket and it went off the glass and in. It was absolutely insane how that game ended. And it's one of those where in the moment, You'd like to think that you thought in your head how you would call something like that. Yeah, it, it was one of those where just, it was just a pure reaction as a fan. I was almost like screaming into the microphone that he made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, so, in your three and a half seasons, you've seen a twenty loss season. You've seen a twenty win season. For you, was there any difference as far as calling those games? You know, energy in the building. Uh, energy with the team anything different as far as calling the game or was it just kind of how it was you know um when i when you look back at the the season where they lost 20 games i I think coming into that season um if you remember they lost a pretty big senior class um you know going into that season so the team was really young and you know i i think you know they maybe didn't live quite up to the expectations they had but you saw all the potential um, that that team had. And I think last year, you know, they put it together and then this year adding some complimentary pieces to it. You could tell even during that 20 lost season, that team wasn't as bad as a 20 lost team. Um, and, and, and you saw the upside that was going to be coming from it. And just a couple of pieces added here and there to that. And then last year, getting to see all the guys come together 
gel together and really finish the season strong um, with that run through the CIT tournament, that was a lot of fun to call as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bring that up because Green Bay, that was the first 20-loss season back in 17-18. That was the first 20-loss season since 2003, and only the third time since 1986 that they finished above 200 in the RPI or the net, which I think is yep. an amazing stat. When you just look around the Horizon League and the state of some programs, they've been, you know, they've had multiple years where they're just terrible, and Green Bay has been able to be stable for the most part. In fact, Ken Palm this summer had Green Bay rated as the top program in the Horizon League, and his data only goes back to 1997. That doesn't include, you know, the best years in Green Bay's history. So it's kind of rare that you actually got to call a 20-loss season when you think about it. <laughs> but uh, it is, you know, and, and it's it, one thing that I hope fans don't take for granted, the, the you know, the tradition of this program. I mean, going all the way back to Coach Buss, uh, who started the whole thing, and he's very, you know, much still around the program. And uh, if anybody ever gets a chance to sit down and talk basketball with that man, it is an unbelievable time to sit and, and just pick his brain on where the game was when he started it 50 years ago to now. But, you know, you go through Coach Buss into Coach Bennett, Coach Heidemann, um, and, you know, the coaches that have come through here that have kept the program uh, really good and, you know, Coach Tarner's track record over the last five years with that one outlier season, I mean, has been really good. He got the team back to the NCAA tournament, been in the postseason twice uh, since then in his, uh, you know, time here. So it really is a program that has a, a, a solid tradition. And, and you hear that from people when you go around the Horizon League. Um, you know, that, you know, Green Bay is one of those programs that other programs try to be. Right. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure 17-18, before that season, was when Trevor Anderson and Karim uh, Cantor transferred right before the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Correct. So they they actually probably would have had a pretty good team that year if they didn't get hammered by those transfers. And those transfers were late, if you remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, you seem to, you know, you've got your team together, and you think you have all the pieces in place and ready to go. And, uh, you know, you, you can't fault Trevor. I know there was, you know, uh, probably some negative opinions directed his way, but, you know, it, it was a dream of his. And he even mentioned it when I first met him, um, you know, that he always grew up a Badger fan and he had an opportunity to go there. Um, and, you know, Karam had a great season at Xavier, and he really wanted to go and try and see if his game would translate to a high major level. And he had a really good season, unfortunately, for Green Bay. It left them with two pretty big holes to fill going into that season. Right. So taking a look at this season, uh, how does it feel, first of all, to not have to travel for a while? It seems like you guys are on the road <laughs> a whole lot those first few months of the season. It was. You know, it was crazy. The least amount of home games that they have played um, in program history uh, in the non-conference season uh, this year. And then at one point there was a stat that I read that I didn't even realize while we were in the middle of it. Um, but at one point on a road trip, uh, the team logged, I believe it was a little over 10,000 air miles and played games in three different time zones. Excuse me. You know, over the course of what was it, a week and a half? Yeah. Um, that they, that they did that. Um, you know, so I'll tell you, my wife and kids like the fact that I'm home for about a month. Um, which is, which is nice. And, you know, just to, you know, get that feel of, for the team and the athletes and, you know, coach Donner's talked about it and I, I don't know if people really, you know, believe it, but you know, the life of an athlete, when they say, you know, it takes a lot out of you to travel. Um, and, and a lot of people just say, well, you're just sitting on an airplane and you're laying around in a hotel room. Um, but you know, you're not in your own bed and you know, with the way they had to travel a lot of times, you know, you're getting college kids up at five o'clock in the morning to be at the airport and, you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. So it does take a lot. And then you got to mention, you got to remember too, if you've ever flown coach on an airplane, I'm, I'm exactly six feet tall and I know the seating area is not overly comfortable. Right. I mean, can you imagine being six, eight and having to be on a three hour flight? <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> so yeah. You know, and I thought the guys handled it extremely well. You know, you could tell there was a couple of games that maybe they were a little bit jet lagged, but um, I would say, you know, against all the high majors they played this year, they were competitive in every one of those games. So I thought they handled the road pretty well this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you mentioned the pit in New Mexico. You also got to go to Montana State. What was that like? Snowy. Yeah. Um, I, I saw some pictures. Know, it looked it looked beautiful. It was. It was gorgeous. It's, it's surrounded by mountains. Uh, the campus is surrounded by mountains. Um, the arena, I walked into it, and I posted some pictures on my Twitter feed. And I, you know, the pictures didn't quite do it justice. The arena they play in is almost an exact replica of the Brown County Arena. Um, you know, all the way down to the dome on the building and the way it's kind of in the circle shape and the industrial feel on the inside. Yeah. Um, but you know, we in Wisconsin think we're used to winter weather. Uh, we landed in Montana. There was no snow. Woke up the next morning. There was about eight and a half inches of snow on the ground. Jeez. And we are talking to somebody at the front desk, like, you, you think they're going to still play the game? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of snow out there. They're like, yep, this is just your average Tuesday. Yeah, just a normal day. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So do you have a favorite Horizon League city to visit or, or a favorite venue in the league? Um, favorite venue, favorite city are probably two different things. I really look forward to the Cincinnati trip every year. Yeah. Uh, Northern Kentucky and Wright State. Uh, excuse me, I. I actually uh, travel separate from the team. Um, I do stay, you know, team hotel and stuff like that, but uh, which is kind of nice. I get to, now that I've been through the league a couple of times, I love the city of Cincinnati. So I just stay in Cincinnati the entire time on that trip and then drive back and forth from Dayton. It's only about an hour. Yeah. Um, but, but Cincinnati has some absolutely great restaurants. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that can go into a restaurant by myself and make a friend and hang out and have <laughs> dinner and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, they have some absolutely great restaurants. They have great things to go see and do. Um, you know, so I absolutely love going to Cincinnati. Um, but my favorite venue actually might be a little bit surprising. Um, I'm a fan of Callahan Hall. Really? And I am solely for the reason of I'm just kind of a his, sports history junkie. Yeah. Um, so I just love the old building. And, and seeing how the buildings used to be. They haven't really done a whole lot of, for those of you that have been there, they haven't done a whole lot of upgrades to Callahan Hall. Um, and it is old. And, but to, you know, look and say, hey, this is the place that the, uh, you know, the Pistons played a couple seasons. Uh, Dick Vitale was a coach here. You know, it's Dick Vitale Court. Yeah, Callahan it's on the Hall. court, yep. Um, you know, to, to see some of the history that is involved in that building. Um, is really cool to see as far as a as, uh, a road venue goes. I know there's a lot of fans who just don't like it because it is old and it's not modern. Uh, yeah, I was but gonna I say you, you don't really Panthers. hear that too often <laughs> about Cal. Yeah. you know I feel the same way about Panther Arena. Uh, whenever we get to go to Milwaukee, uh, the very yeah. first Bucks game I ever went to was when it was the Mecca, and you know getting to see guys like. Uh, I, I saw the Bucks play the Celtics. I'll never forget it. You know, Jack Sigma and Sidney Moncrief on the Bucks, and uh, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale on the other side for the Celtics. And, you know, to, to, to remember that the NBA used to play in smaller arenas like that when you were right on top of the action, um, I, I just love the historical aspect of it. Yeah, I can see that. So off topic, I am also a fan of Cincinnati. I actually had my bachelor party there. A couple of years ago, we went to a Brewers-Reds game in Cincinnati. Very cool. Yeah, and we had a blast. So I'm a fan of Cincinnati as well. Um, I normally stay when I go down there. Uh, the hotel I stay at has a view right into Great American Ballpark. Oh, nice. Um, and there's a great, uh, on the other side of the river in Newport, Kentucky, um, there's a great German beer hall that has phenomenal food. Um, nice. So if you ever get a chance, look it up. Yeah, it will. <laughs> uh, so, Green Bay comes into Saturday's game against Milwaukee at seven and ten overall, five and ten against D1 teams, but we'll leave that for now. Uh, I don't want to talk sure. about I don't want to talk about IUPUI yet. So, uh, so let's take a quick look back at the last you know, five games or so, uh, starting with last weekend, which was the opening weekend of conference play. Green Bay got a huge split with Wright State and Northern Kentucky, which uh, it's clearly the league's toughest road trip, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Green Bay lost 90-84 to 84 at Wright State in a game they led by five with less than five minutes to play, but Wright State goes on a 13-0 run to seal the win. Uh, I, I've heard Coach Darner mention to you 
several times that the team needs to be better at handling opponents' runs. You know, and that's kind of what that game came down to at the end. Yes. You know, and and I agree with that. I think, you know, there's that RP40 name that's still out there and, and talking about how Green Bay wants to play fast. You look at all the advanced analytics of how fast they play and how efficient their offense is. And one of the things that he likes to stress is playing fast is not necessarily getting up a shot as fast as you can. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes when a team goes on a run, especially when Green Bay has the lead, I think they sometimes feel that urgency where we need to end this run right now. And I'm going to be the guy that does it and, you know, maybe takes a shot a little bit quicker. Um, this team is so efficient this year when they get the ball inside out. Um, you know, the last five games you're talking about, Manny Patterson has been a huge part of that. Yeah. And, you know, they can get touches in the paint and then work the ball from there and get a couple of good passes and work for an open shot. I think that was the last five minutes of the, the Wright State game was just got a little too quick, started taking some shots uh, that maybe weren't the best. But, you know, Brian, you mentioned the last five games, and I know Phoenix fans don't really like to talk about the non-D1 games, mm-hmm. um, but really the Concordia-Chicago game. And I know it was a blowout, and it was never close, and it, it looked almost like a glorified practice. But coming off of the losses they took against the Purdue's and New Mexico and Wisconsin, and you're you know you're getting banged around, and they didn't play very well at Eastern Illinois. You know that team comes into Concordia, Chicago. And now you start seeing the ball go through the basket, yep. and you know they started making shots. And I, I think that was important uh, leading into the last five games that they know they can make the shots and they know how to run the offense. So for as much as you know, really nobody wants to see a non-D1 on the schedule. I think that game came at the right time to help give them some confidence going into the conference season. That's true. That was that was a perfectly timed get right game because they they, played, they shot the ball really well for a stretch after that one. Um, uh, they did. I mean, it rolled right into the Northern Illinois game. Yeah. Um, I know they trailed uh, for a good chunk of that game, but you know it was a, a nice comeback win um, against Northern Illinois, and they had a lead for a, a good part of the second half, and and you know figured out a way to close that one out. And I think some of that was a little bit of the residual confidence from there. And they took it into right state. You mentioned they played extremely well, and then nobody saw them going into northern Kentucky and running them out of their own gym. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, ended a five-game losing streak versus the Norse. They held northern Kentucky to 37% shooting, 19% on threes, just 5 of 26. Uh, an, imp- an impressive road win, exercising some demons against uh, northern Kentucky. It really was. And, and, you know, you'll hear some people say, well, Dantez Walton, who's probably their best player, uh, is injured and didn't play in that game. Uh, but they still got a lot of weapons. I mean, Tyler Sharp came into that game scoring 30 points in three straight games. Yep. And, you know, they held him in check and, uh, and didn't let him go off. And I think they really, you know, kind of learned in that game they had a really good defensive strategy going into it. And, you know, the average fan doesn't see it sometimes, but the way they switch up their defenses, they mask their triangle in two defense. I don't think people realize how much they play in a zone sometimes. Um, you know, mask the triangle in two defense. Uh, they're man-to-man. They're getting hands in the face, running at shooters, double-teaming the right guys. And, you know, he's mentioned it a few times. Coach Darner every now and then will gamble. And, you know, take a risk on somebody who's, you know, shooting a very low percentage of three, letting him get those shots instead of their playmakers getting those shots. Yep. So back to the Wright State game, Amari Davis had 18 in that one. Um, Will Chevalier. Oh, yeah. But real quick, Will Chevalier had 11 points off the bench, three for five on threes. I loved that performance. Will is solid. Yeah, he is. You know, Will, you know, Will, uh, I, I think Will would be so much better if they would have been in position to redshirt him his freshman year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, back to the beginning of our conversation with Karen Cantor leaving and Trevor Anderson leaving, uh, they didn't have an option to redshirt Will his freshman year. Um, right. You know, so he took his redshirt last year and um, he's gotten his body bigger. Um, he's gotten some more confidence in the game. But he hasn't lost that touch all the way back to when he was playing at Kimberly. And, yep. you know, Will is just one of those very even-keeled guys. He doesn't get worked up on the court. Um, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. 
Um, and he's got a really quick release when he gets the ball and isn't afraid to shoot it. Um, and he's got a quick release. So it's good to see him, you know, in the minutes that he's playing right now, he's, he's a, an important contributor on the team. I mean, he's only playing nine minutes a game, but he's given them four and a half points every time he comes in. Yeah. And for a guy his size to shoot 50% from three is, uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a real pleasant surprise. The other real pleasant surprise and, I am the president of the Amari Davis fan club. Um, <laughs> but So he is now a five-time Horizon League freshman of the week. Team's leading scorer, 15.5 points per game. I got some numbers for you here. Only Richard Sims and Tony Bennett have averaged more for Green Bay as a freshman in the program's Division One era. That's the last crazy fre- company, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The last freshman to average at least 10 was Kiefer Sykes uh, back in 2012. And according to sportsreference.com, since Green Bay joined the Horizon League in 1995, only three freshmen in the league's history have averaged at least 15 points per game in a season. Antoine Davis last year, Dikembe Dixon in 2016, and someone named TJ Lux from Northern Illinois in 1996. So that's some rarefied air there. You know, and it is. And I think, you know, he announced to the world he was here right away against Purdue. Um, you know, wasn't in the starting lineup, but, you know, came off the bench. And you got to remember in that Purdue game, you walk into Mackey Arena, which to me is one of the top five toughest places in the country to play. Um, you walk into Mackey Arena, Purdue is hanging their Big Ten championship banner. Um, they did a very nice recognition of Coach Darner uh, coming back to Purdue. Um, and, you know, the atmosphere was just amped up and ready to go for that game. And, you know, rightfully so, I think some of our guys looked a little hesitant coming out of the gate, and the atmosphere, I think, had a lot to do with it. Well, in checks Amari Davis, and right away, he just goes right down the lane and makes a shot. And, you know, I remember vividly saying on the air, well, the moment's apparently not too big for him. And it's been like that since that game. He is not afraid to, you know, go in amongst the trees. And when you see Amari out warming up, you're looking at him going, he's not that big of a guy. Um, but he knows how to create the space. He knows uh, once he gets going downhill, he's extremely tough to stop. Um, and how, you know, people say, how does he fly under the radar? How did he wind up at Green Bay? Um, you know, if you take a look back at his high school stats, uh, he filled the stat sheet like there was none other in high school. Um, but he lives in that mid-range area. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't made a three, and he hasn't attempted very many threes all year. And when you watch, he'll know he's got such great court awareness that if he's standing anywhere near the line, he'll take a dribble, take a couple steps in, and then he's automatic. And in today's college game, you know, unless you can, you know, bury the three for a guy his size, he probably did get overlooked. And, you know, Green Bay is really lucky to have him and to have a guy that can play mid-range like that will give defenses fits because defenses don't really plan for that mid-range game anymore. Right. Yeah, last time I checked, he's leading the Horizon League in field goal percentage, which you don't really see from guards very often. Um, right, and you think about that, where he's at at the field goal percentage, um, you know, the last number I think I saw, he was still around 54, 55-ish percent. Yeah, it's definitely over uh, 50. And, you know, but at one point he was up or over 65%. <laughs> so you, you look at that, and some of his numbers have come down in the last couple of games um, where he hasn't been quite as – uh, efficient with a shot, and, and efficient's probably not the good word. He's had some shots, you know, not go that had been, that were going earlier in the season, um, you know. But to you know, have a game where he maybe went a five for fourteen, and he's still shooting it close to fifty four percent is crazy. Yeah, uh, according to Sports Reference, he's also fifteenth in the NCAA in uh, fouls call, fouls committed. So uh, <laughs> some some place to uh, improve on there. You know, but that's that's the other thing that, uh, you know, when we talked preseason uh, with Coach Darner, I was asking him about uh, Amari and what he sees as a freshman contributor and things like that. Um, and, and one of his concerns was on the defensive side. Yeah. And he's gotten better. Um, you know, obviously the speed of the game in college is much quicker. Um, but where he went to high school in Trotwood, um, for people in Wisconsin listening, um, you know, Grinnell is a great example. Oh, uh, the old Grinnell style. That's what his <laughs> high school played. Wow. And, you know, uh, Coach Darner has told the story numerous times about how he went to watch him play. And at the end of the first quarter, because they played quarters, 
at the end of the first quarter, the, the, Amari's team from Trotwood was down by eight. And the coach for his team was out cheering like they were up by 20. <laughs> and he finally realized that they played a style where they wanted the other team to play exceptionally fast to tire them out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that they won a lot of games that way. So they, they didn't play uh, an overly strong defense. Um, where he was, and you know, I, I think he's adjusting to the speed of the game, and he's gotten better the last couple of games. For sure, I think overall the Green Bay defense has kind of been maligned uh, this season. But in that NKU game, they played, they had, a, they showed a lot of uh, intensity on defense. Um, and in this UIC game on Friday, they also played really good defense. I thought they held UIC to six of twenty-one shooting on threes. Um, so, I mean, it seems like the defense is getting better. It is. And, you know, I think you're also seeing, if you look back, and again, no one will ever use it as an excuse, they haven't had a regular rotation up until the last four or five games. Um, you know, with injuries with Josh McNair having to miss some games, P.J. Pipes missing a couple of games, with Trey Bell missing a couple of games, um, you know, it, obviously everybody knows it got to the point where they had to take Giovanni Miles redshirt away so they have enough guys to play a game. Um, you know, so when you're dealing with a lot of those in and out like that, um, you know, defense comes down to a lot like offense does. You've got to know where your other guys on the floor are going to be. And when you're not out on the floor together with those guys on a regular basis, it can be a hard thing to pick up. And I think now that they have a rotation set and guys are getting back healthy, uh, you're going to see a lot of improvement on that end. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Green Bay improved to 28 and six against UIC since 2005, which I think is just amazing. Um, I I have to wonder if that was Steve McLean's last game in Green Bay because they that team just seems to have so much talent and they just are perennially underachieving. So uh, I I wonder about that. Maybe it's time for a change down there. You know, and that's uh, you know one area that. I, I won't ever go down that road of uh, <laughs> right. uh, talking about what other teams might do. Um, but you're right. It, it's an extremely talented basketball team um, that Green Bay has just seemed to have their number the last couple of years. Yep. Yeah, Green Bay was led by Amari Davis in that one with 21 points. Uh, Cody Schwartz, Jaquan McLeod each had 13. P.J. Pipes with 12. Cam Hankerson had 11. Uh, Tarkus Ferguson led UIC with 19 and helped my – Horizon League basketball fantasy team in the process. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes uh, no one likes to hear people talk about their fantasy team, but he was my uh, first pick, which I had second overall, and then he was suspended for three games, so that kind of screwed me. But uh, right, yeah. but no, he's a he's a really talented basketball player. That's not a bad player to use a pick on in in your fantasy league. Yeah. So that brings us to. The IUPUI debacle on Sunday afternoon. Green Bay loses 93-78 to to previously Horizon League winless IUPUI. Phoenix were a 10.5-point favorite, and Green Bay is now 0-5 against IUPUI since they joined the league in 2017. I remember you asking Coach Darner last year on your uh, coach's show after they got swept, basically, what is it about IUPUI? And he... I, I think mm-hmm. he just didn't have an answer. <laughs> you know, it's just one he of didn't. those things it seems like. Well, we you know, we just talked about it the other way. I mean, Green Bay's now beaten UIC how many times in yep, a row? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and, you know, it's one of those things. And, you know, the kind of the way I look at this game is, uh, you know, a lot the way I look at the Colgate game. Um, you know, it, it's one of those games where you just kind of flush it and forget it. Um, <laughs> right. And you move on. And, and. Hopefully, when you go down to Indy in a couple of weeks, you, you steal one on the road uh, from them, break that streak. But you know, if you take a look at the Colgate game, you know when they got run out of the Crest Center, and you know people started questioning what's wrong with this basketball team. Well, then they go on the road to Montana State and absolutely, you know, crush Montana State on the road. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think this team showed they can bounce back from a game like that, um, and hopefully, it's just a uh, you know a one-off thing where. You know, I know, you know, the coaches and everybody are just kind of, all right, this is one where you just don't even look at it. Just move on. I noticed that next game in Indianapolis is at 10 a.m., so that'll be an interesting atmosphere. 
You know, it, uh, it, it's, it's kind of cool. A lot of college programs are going to models like that. And I mentioned having another job uh, outside of what I do. My full-time job is still in the sports industry. I work in the baseball world. And the, the team I work for has a very similar thing. We play a game in the middle of summer at 11 o'clock in the morning. And part of the reason you do that, uh, you make it a field trip game. Yeah. Um, I know the Phoenix women have played in a couple of those where they play they, uh, Dayton. The Dayton women do it every year. And they get eight, 9,000 people for that game. And, you know, it's a lot of schools and it's a lot of field trips. And I got to imagine that's what they're doing with this, where it's a, a field trip game uh, to come out and watch it. Now, I'll pose a question to you. When they do a school field trip, what class do you suppose can justify doing the school field trip? <laughs> uh, it's got to be gym class, right? Math class. Oh, there you go. Stats. Yeah, I see it. They do. They hand them. Uh, I know at least in Dayton when they do it, and I know a couple other schools when they do it. They hand them a stat sheet, and they have to stat the game, and then they have to hand figure out all the percentages, old school style. Oh, I like that. I I'm wish lucky. I could have done I'm that. lucky with yeah. I'm lucky when I do a game that I have a monitor in front of me. You know that makes <laughs> us all sound way smarter than we are when we're calling play by play. Yep. That gives me all that information in real time. <laughs> I can't, you know, having to sit and, and hand stat a game now and trying to figure out those percentages, there's no way. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Well, they'll take their phones out and use the calculator, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I would cheat. I would get the password to the stat monitor <laughs> and have it do it for me and just fill in the boxes. Yeah. So looking ahead, what kind of read do you have on this team? I mean, is it? Is it the team that dominated Montana State and Northern Kentucky, or is it the team that got blown up by Colgate and IUPUI, or, or is it somewhere in the middle? It's somewhere in the middle. Um, this is a very talented basketball team. I mean, they have a lot of really good pieces. Um, you know, I mentioned Manny Patterson coming on, giving them a threat on the inside. We all know how good Jaquan McLeod is. Amari Davis, even though he's leading the team in scoring, is really still finding his way. Um, you know, P.J. Pipes has had an unbelievable season, best season of his career so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they've got a lot of pieces, and I think now that they have some time that they've been playing together um, and, and have some rotation set and some substitution patterns set, uh, you know, they're a really good team. The flip side of that coin, Brian, is the fact that the Horizon League this year, you take a look at some of the schools that you mentioned being currently on the bottom. I mean, Youngstown State has a really good basketball team this year, yep. and, you know, they're going to surprise a lot of people. They want to um, too. You know, they, they did win tonight. Uh, UIC is not as bad as their record looks. IUPUI, I think, showed that they're not as bad as their record was. And, you know, even Coach Darner had said before the game, if you took a look at their record and you just went based on that, you didn't really look at the basketball team. Um, you know, Cleveland State, for everything they went through with the coaching change, you know, deep into the summer when they had to make the coaching change, uh, Cleveland State's really coming on and playing good basketball this year. Yeah. Detroit Mercy with Antoine Davis on any given night can go in and beat just about anybody as they prove by beating Northern Kentucky and playing Wright State really tough as well. They should have um, beaten Wright State. You know, so they should have beaten Wright State. Yeah. I mean, Green Bay should have beaten Wright State. They should have two losses yeah. right now. But, you know, you also talk about on the other side of the coin, that's what really good teams do. They know how to win. And, you know, Wright State has been playing together for a long time, and they have a lot of really good pieces, and they just know how to win right now. Um, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. They've got to play really good basketball against any opponent they play to to win. Um, and, you know, if you come out flat like they did on Sunday and, and not quite ready to go for the game, any team in this league can beat anybody. Right, yeah. The, the common thinking is, it's Wright State, and then it's everybody else. But, I mean, Wright State mm -hmm. has shown that they're, they can be vulnerable. and So it really is going to be, I think, wide open once we get, well, knock on wood that we get to Indianapolis. But I think... Uh, uh, you know, and it's, yeah. And the way the format lays out this year with the double bye for the top two teams, I mean, it's going to be important, one, to be in the top half of the league so you get a home game. Um, but then two, if you can finagle your way somehow into that second position, you get a double buy into the semifinals. Yeah, um, you know, w which is a really nice place to be. Um, and then, you know, the elephant in the room, and I think people are talking about it more. The Horizon League, for what it is right now, is a one bid league. And, you know, if, if you get the momentum going at the right time and you're able to go to Indianapolis and, you know, win two games, you're going to be celebrating no matter what your record is. 
Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned Maddie pa- uh, Manny Patterson before. I just wanted to bring him up real quick because he, I, I'm so happy that he's finally getting some some big minutes. Uh, in his last seven games, he's averaging 11.4 points, 8.3 rebounds, 64% from the floor. Um, you know, especially with Green Bay being dead last right now in rebounding margin in the Horizon League, I think he's providing right. a big boost. Um, you brought up his mid-range jumper with Richard Davis the other day. He's just consistently knocking it down. It's it's amazing to watch. It is. I mean, it, it talk about a weapon where you know he's got that big body, and unfortunately for Manny, the beginning of the year, it wasn't anything Manny was doing why he wasn't seeing minutes. It was matchup issues. Um, you know, you go down to Wisconsin, they don't have a true big, you know, um, and, and it's unfair to Manny to ask him to chase Nate Reavers around the three-point line. Right. Um, you know, you, you go to New Mexico, kind of the same thing, you know, and, you know, so he wasn't seeing some of those minutes because they were matchup issues. And, and now that you're playing mid-major programs uh, the rest of the way out, you know, he's a he's a big weapon to have. And, yeah, his mid-range game, I mean, anywhere inside of, you know, 15 feet, and then uh, I don't know if you heard him talking about uh, Manny made a three this year uh, again <laughs> in that Concordia game. Yeah. Um, but they actually they ran a set play for Manny to shoot a three, and I was happy to see it that he was able to make one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's he can bang around down by the basket, get rebounds, and put him in down there. But step out baseline, free throw line, elbows, it doesn't matter. He's got a really good ten to fifteen foot jumper too. Yeah. So we'll end with this. Milwaukee comes to town on Saturday. Uh, UWM right now seven and nine overall, two and two in the horizon, just like Green Bay. Uh, they swept IUPUI and UIC last weekend. Before that, they had lost seven straight games. They had lost their last eleven Horizon League games, uh, which is pretty amazing. But uh, they beat UIC at the buzzer on Sunday, and in that game they grabbed twenty offensive rebounds, which kind of scares me. Uh, just because Green right. Bay has kind of been vulnerable on the glass, but they're they're led by a pair of uh, really good guards, Darius Roy and T. John Lucas. Um, and, and as we saw on Sunday, guards can go off, so that kind of scares me as well. So I think it'll be a good game on Saturday, uh, even though Green Bay has kind of dominated this rivalry in the Darner era. You know, uh, I agree with you, and I think you know overall. Uh, Milwaukee's another team that is better. Like I think a lot of the Horizon League schools are, you can say it about just about anybody. Uh, they're better than their record shows. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Roy and Lucas and the fact that they can play fast, they can shoot. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, try and contain him and make the rest of the team beat you, um, is going to be a tough defensive assignment. And, uh, I, I gotta believe. Um, but having a week now to practice, um, a week to get ready for this game, um, it's your only game that you're playing in a 10-day 10, uh, 10 time period. Um, you've been home for a while, uh, and it is your in-state rival. Um, I think you're going to see an absolutely fantastic game Saturday night at the Rest Center, uh, and I hope, I hope, because I saw the weather forecast, Yeah. Um uh, that, uh, you know, people at least within the immediate Green Bay area will still brave the elements to come out to that game on Saturday night because it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, so a fun fact. As far as I can tell, Jaquan McLeod is the only player to play for both Green Bay and UWM. I, I was looking yep. through through both of their uh, – both schools' historical guides. There's a, a guy named Arnold DeShazer who played for UWGB in 74, and there's a Ernell DeShazer. Shazen, who played for UWM in 75, so I'm not sure if that's kind of like a lost in translation thing. Um, but either way, Jaquan McLeod is probably the only guy who's played for both, which I think is really cool. You do way more research for this stuff than I do. I should just have you send me your notes from now on. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and save me a lot of time. I knew Jaquan played for both. I didn't know who the DeShazer, DeShazen guys were, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know if that's the same guy. UWM's uh, historical guide is not as good as Green Bay's. I, I'm not being biased when I say that. I, I <laughs> genuinely digged into it and uh, or dug into it and yeah. So, but yeah, tip off 6 p.m. Uh, at the a, Rush Center on Saturday night. Uh, pre-game show at 5:40. Right? Is that right? Yep, 5:40. Bill Raby and I will have it. And uh, I tell you what, if the if the weather does come the way they say they are, 
Uh, appreciate you listening to it. Um, you know, as you mentioned on the Learfield IMG um, College Sports Network, uh, which includes 107.5 FM in Green Bay, the fan, um, and 1400 AM, uh, as well as the fan app or the iHeartRadio app. Um, or if radio is not your thing, um, Green Bay is very blessed with an outstanding uh, TV broadcast team in, in Cordero Barkley and Ted Stefaniak. And I know that, uh, you know, ESPN Plus will have the game as well on Saturday night. For sure, yeah. And Bud Light night, uh, retro jersey giveaway night. So it's a good reason to go. I'm get oh, and a rivalry to get game too. So, yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, uh, hopefully Green Bay can get back in the win column, and there's no better opponent to do it against than Milwaukee. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and your thoughts on the season so far. I know I'm not the only one who appreciates the job you do calling the games. You do such a good job painting the picture um, you know, of the action on the court and for anyone who can't watch the game or attend in person. And I really appreciate your informative pre- and post-game interviews and the work you do on the coaches' show. Uh, talking about the games and breaking everything down. So keep up the good work, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Anytime you want to have me, Brian, I'm happy to do it. And, uh, you know, best of luck in the podcast off the ground, and uh, go Phoenix. My thanks again to Brian Kuklinski for joining me on the first ever episode of the Fear of the Phoenix podcast. It was so nice to be able to have a chat with him and pick his brain. you know, like I said at the beginning of the pod, I really wanted to to get his insight because he's been there for all 17 games. So I really am grateful for him giving me a few minutes of time because I know he's a really busy guy. So uh, uh, that'll do it for this first episode, though. Went a little bit longer than I thought. But uh, depending on my schedule, and uh, I've got a couple of guests in mind, so we'll have to check their schedule as well. But hopefully we can start doing these consistently, uh, you know, at least once a week, maybe twice. We'll see. But uh, thanks for listening. I know it's a work in progress. Uh, sorry for a little bit of audio issues there uh, during the in- interview. Uh, sorry for me being a little nervous. This is my first time doing a podcast, so I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, but be sure to leave any feedback on the fan forum, fearthephoenix.proboards.com, or on Twitter. You can uh, send it to me. Let me know what you think, uh, what I can do better, what I messed up. Uh, you know, Send it to me on Twitter, at fearthephoenix. So uh, let me know what you think, and thanks again. We will talk soon, and go Phoenix.